Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSome solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once a year town hall or company-wide email to share the, what causes the org supported last year. GiveSum allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my, the man, the legend, Mr. Eric Allen. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, so good, man. I, I didn't. I was gonna go look this morning, but I think 2019. You and I met. Maybe did our first did our first episode. Way that feels. I, I don't know, man. There's a there's a lot transpired since 2019. <laughs> the world is a different place. My world included. Yes, which is all the more reason for us to have you on the show to talk about what you're up to now, co-founder of Budo Brothers. So let's jump in the pitch elevator. And uh, we got a big story to tell about transition and following your passion and taking the big quote unquote risk of going down the road of entrepreneurship. But before we do that, what is what is a Budo Brothers? Let's start there. Budo Brothers is this idea that my business partner and I had to create a martial arts lifestyle brand that helps people tap into their true potential through martial arts. Mm. Now, martial arts changed my life and it changed my business partner Kyle's life as well. And the thread that is continuous through our entire lives, the lessons that we've learned from our teachers, our Sifu, our sensei, our instructors, those with wisdom which we seek, we have been able to extract that and apply it in our own lives. And it, ironically enough, has very little to do with fighting. It has very little to do with kicking ass. It's really about fighting yourself and the internal battles that we all have. And there's just so many timeless principles. There's a reason why martial arts is found in every single culture and is a vehicle to preserve these little capsules of wisdom inside an art that is passed down from generation to generation lineage of thousands and thousands of years once you start to get into it it opens up an entirely new world and unlocks latent potential that you don't even know is there and one of the best part one of the best parts about martial arts is that you are voluntarily subjecting yourself to adversity you go onto the mats voluntarily knowing that you're going to challenge yourself so you're actually seeking challenge you're not trying to uh, just look for support in any way you can. You're actually going out there and blazing a trail and seeking to be challenged. Try to break yourself. Try to see how far you can go. Where are your limits? And when you start to think like that, it starts to permeate into your everyday life. It starts to permeate into your business, your professional life, your interpersonal skills, uh, relationships, and it just starts to spill over into all these different aspects of life. Voluntarily subjecting yourself to adversity could also be the definition of entrepreneurship, which we're going <laughs> to um, just not to go down a huge uh, history, but it was as martial arts been part of your life since you were like a young child. So many people get into it young, don't stick with it or fall out and then fall their way back in. I've had a inter, you know, off and on we've dated and we've broken up and we've dated again relationship with martial arts my whole life. Has that been something you've been committed to since the early days, or did you kind of come back to it? What was just quick a quick little side of your journey around martial arts? I started when I was five years old. 
I had this earnest calling. This it was unexplainable. My mom was she just wasn't sure where it was coming from. It, I was obsessed. I wanted to be a, a ninja. I wanted to go be the you know. And that was it was this was in the era you know the the, the late eighties where Karate Kid and all these things. It was very. There was a groundswell of martial arts enthusiasts through movies and film and Ninja Turtles and all these things. And I just became obsessed. Uh, I loved Ninja Turtles. I loved the Karate Kid, Bruce Lee. I just was so inspired. And all I wanted to do was go and train martial arts. Now, I come from a family. There's four kids in our family. And my mom was a full-time mom taking care of all of us. And we all got to choose one thing. My sister was in violin, you know, my brother in soccer. Everybody gets to pick one thing. And all my friends were going into hockey. And I really wanted to go into hockey as well because all my friends were. But martial arts was calling me. And my mom was like, Eric, you have to choose. I cannot take you to hockey and to martial arts. Every child gets to have one extracurricular activity that they're really excited about. So what excites you the most, hockey or martial arts? And I remember that decision because that was literally a crossroads. And I remember saying, I want to follow my friends and I want to be included. And I, I, I feel left out when all my friends are talking about, you know, deking and hockeys and goals and all these things. And then I chose, I said, I'm going to go through this path. I'm going to go down the martial way. And that set my life in a, a completely different trajectory. I, Start, I trained in Taekwondo, got my black belt when I was about 13, 14 years old. Then I continued to train and do competitions. And then uh, when university, time for university, that was when I was, it was time to go and focus because my, my background, I'm not an academic. I am not book smarts. Okay. I got street smarts. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pit bull work ethic kind of guy. And book smarts never came easy. But what I learned from martial arts is that work ethic, that discipline, that dedication to commit to something and follow through on it. I committed to getting into engineering. And I was a C student in grade 10. And I was like, okay, what's the path to get there? Well, I have to, I had to get an army of tutors. I had to I had to work so hard to get my grades up to the point where I could get accepted. And that sort of pit bull attitude, that work ethic, that was garnered on the mats. When I had to prepare for my black belt test at the age of 13, I remember losing sleep. It was the most insurmountable. I have to break a board. I have to jump over people. I, have to, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't think I can do it. The self-doubt. And to, to be put into something that makes you face your fears and and come overcome your self-doubt and realize that if you do commit and you do put in the work, because no one's going to do the work for you, if you put in the work, the results will come. And when I figured that out, I was like, ah, it's actually not that bad. All you have and to it, do and, is and, do and, and you can apply and you can universally <laughs> apply it until different areas. I know. And, that's it. and I, I love what you said about just, you know, again, I, it's your tagline for voluntarily subjecting yourself, that inoculation process of dealing with adversity. And all of a sudden you start to build that muscle memory of like, oh, well, I got through this last time. I can get through it again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it easy, but the belief and the mindset that starts to come. So Brutal Brothers, six years, 11 months. When did you make the jump? Because when I met you, you were working at, at, at Tundra. I met you through a good friend of mine, Iggy. You and I met, and again, I couldn't... There was a period of time where you couldn't go anywhere in the energy sector, and you were running into Eric Allen. You were doing <laughs> videos, you were doing walk and talks at the Petroleum Show, like you were in it. How long, like, when did you make that transition from leaving, quote unquote, the safe corporate world, which maybe mm. it's not as safe as, 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 as maybe the myth is or the legend portrays, but when did you make that transition to Buddha Brothers full time? Even the full, I know you've been working at this for a while. I have. And it was funny how this all transpired because I had actually left a cushy engineering job back in 2014. I now I love I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship. I love startups. I love the creative process that entrepreneurship is unlocking value, figuring out new ways to solve challenges for other people. I got obsessed with it and I've started so many 
different startups over my years. And I remember I did a minor in entrepreneurship and enterprise development through the University of Calgary on top of my mechanical engineering major. And that minor was the most valuable. It was so incredibly valuable to get the juice of an of a BCom, the opportunity identification, applications of entrepreneurship, business planning, all of the good courses without the filler. It was so valuable for me because it actually got my brain really looking at these different uh, possibilities of what entrepreneurship could be. And I started my first business in university, designing fitness equipment. And of course, like a bushy-tailed young buck, you think, I'm this is I'm going to be a mogul. I'm never going to get it. I'm going to graduate university and never get a job because I'm going to be such a badass entrepreneur. <laughs> Right, and then oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's good. It's good because you have that ambition, and, and it's that that ambition that that makes you take bigger risks when you're younger, when you could totally afford to. Yeah, because all you're going to do is learn a whole bunch of stuff, and you're not you're not losing the house, you're not losing the kids, no. uh, the the kids' um, yeah. university fund or the retirement. Like That's there it. are windows of time and phases of life. I do agree with you there. Where where you can just go for it. And I remember being in class and listening to the professor talk about the statistics of failed businesses. And he says ninety percent of startups fail within five years. And I remember hearing that. I'm like, that cannot be true. There is no way. Look at all the business. Look at all the successful entrepreneurs. There's no way. Like, and I'm different. I'm different. Yeah, they're not. I'm just built different. Okay. Of course. <laughs> that, that was my thought process. I'm like, there's no way. I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be successful because I have that pit bull attitude. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to not stop until it does go the distance and, and get to the promised land. And then you get out there and then you get into the trenches. And then you're <laughs> actually in war <laughs> of entrepreneurship. And it's a new world. It, when you get out of the textbooks and into the into the jungle, wow! It's easy for things to fail. Yeah, yeah. The best was it. The best laid plans never survive, or no one. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. All those metaphors and all those analogies are actually very accurate. Very accurate. Very yeah, accurate. Yeah. So world and so it's funny. You you but you ended up you you went down. You used the word cushy, which I love. Yes. I had the cushy entrepreneur uh, engineering job. So twenty fourteen. And I think you and I have chatted about this, and we all know kind of what happened in the energy yeah. sector around that time. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the challenge of entrepreneurship. Sometimes mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. Sometimes it is just the world around you. Yeah. That's not an excuse. That's not a story. Yeah. But sometimes the rug does get pulled out, right? Absolutely. And it did with me. And so I convinced myself while I was getting my professional engineering designation and all this, that I had all these side hustles on the, on the side. And I convinced myself that the reason why none of these are working is because I've always had one foot on the shore and one foot in the boat. And I said, now's the time all in I'm going for it. I was going to design this app. I had an investor, I had a developer and 2014, I was a rootin' tootin' cowboy. I was just so excited because finally it's freedom. And you know, my attitude, I, I had that, that vivacious, like go, we're going to it's all in just exuberance. It was irrational exuberance. And I didn't realize that until I fell flat on my face and it didn't work out and a competitor crushed my product. And then the market completely imploded. I had a year's worth of saving that turned into six months because it was all in oil stocks. That's all I knew. So at the ripe age of 30, I had to cash out my RSPs just to eat Costco hot dogs. And for the first time in my life, Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky really got to figure out what depression feels like. And I had never experienced that in my life how actually debilitating it is. The feeling of not wanting to get out of bed has never happened to me prior to this. I had this complete internal collapse of who I thought I was and beat myself up. Mm. Thinking to myself, you know, I, I thought I could make it work. I, I, I was supposed to be this entrepreneur. I was supposed to be able to just bear down and grit, just pure grit and get through it and make it happen. And, it, and I had to surrender. I had to wave the white flag. And I just remember being down in the dumps and I had to go back to my old job with my tail between my legs saying, guys, I'm sorry. You know, I know you're busy. Can I, can I be a contractor? Like I'm in a rough spot. You know, I was fixing fences 
for cash. Like this, and I'm like, this is what I've become. Is this the pinnacle of my existence? Is this what I'm capable of? It was a very challenging time. The identity crisis that happens in a moment like that, when the image, the shroud, the ego, the, the, the story that we've built up in our minds gets exploded in front of us. And when all of a sudden I am no longer aligned with the view of myself that I think I am, whew, I've, I've had a similar but different experience, which I won't get into. And when you come face to face with mm-hmm. like not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, when you, uh, and you're like, oh, oh, I always thought this was made up. I always thought this was people were kind of weak or they were just being lame. Yeah, I'm like, it. yeah, yeah. When it hits you, it hits you, man. Yeah, again, the first time, I appreciate your honesty on that because it's really nice to shine it up and park it in the yard and go, look how perfect it all is. But underneath, is a dis- <sighs> there's been many, many a, 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 a disaster. So 2014... <laughs> You're fending, you're, you're, you're mending fences metaphorically (laughs) and physically. That's such a great, that's, that works on on so many levels. But, but what I love is though, you still did what it takes as much as you didn't want to get out of bed. You still got it. There's like, I got to, I got to put hot dog, Costco Mm -hmm. hot dogs on the table. They're not going to pay for themselves. I got to make, I've got to make it happen. And then you found your back, your, your way back into quote unquote, the corporate more traditional world, right? Yes. And what, but even, even that was so embarrassing. It was so, it was such a, a, a crush to the ego because yeah. I left on a high horse and I came back with my tail between my legs and to, to come to, to terms with all of it was just so much. It was so, it was difficult because guess what? I had a lot of, I had a, a bunch of ego that I was going to, I'm never going to look back. I'm Mr. Entrepreneur. Here we go. And bam, I got corrected. And so that, that actually, I, I can recall the low point when I touched the bottom of the pool and I, I was so exhausted because I wasn't sleeping because the best time to solve your problems is at three in the morning when you're worried about the future, you're regretting, regretting the past. I was not living in the present moment whatsoever. Every moment was, a, was worry and regret fear and uh, just feeling loathing. Lost. <laughs> loathing. Yeah, loathing. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I remember one day I was so exhausted and I, I, I remember I had something to do and I, I got out of the, sh- I was in the shower and I, I literally just passed out. I, I like collapsed. It was this feeling of sur- just surrender, just giving up and like completely collapsing. I had no idea how long I was out for, but all I remember was being on the floor of the shower and water hitting my face, and I could feel air filling my lungs, and my heart starting to beat, and all I did was listen to my heart beat and feel blood pumping through my veins, and I I had this overwhelming feeling of gratitude. I was thankful to be alive, and for the first day, in months, I saw the sunshine. I heard birds chirping. They were always there. <laughs> I was just in my head. I completely missed it. And then there I was sitting in my condo, drinking a cup of green tea, thinking, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to have the things that I have. Here I am in my own condo in a beautiful country. Get over yourself. <laughs> what What are we wasting? What is it? I all of a sudden became so grateful for every single interaction, the little things, going out for a lunch with friends, hanging out, just, it just completely, the, the veil of who I thought I was cracked and then the light started coming in and it was gratitude that got me out of it. And it was at this time where you know, yes, there were still the the lows were still low, but they were getting higher. It was an up, it was a up and to the right stock chart that was zigging and zagging, a little higher and back down, a little higher and back down. But the the lows were higher and the highs were higher. And, and as I became to just become just changing my mindset and focusing on what it is I could be grateful for, then not what I what I don't have or what my friends are doing and what promotion they just got because they stuck with the corporate ladder play. And that was when I, I was still consulting with my old job and that was I was out in the field auditing natural gas compressors and I remember I get a text from Iggy Domogelski 
Uh, him and I had been connected for a while, kind of a, meeting up every once in a while, and I was just so fascinated with what he was doing with this company, Alberta's fastest growing company. He's just a few years older than I am, and here he is running a 150-person company, killing it. He's got something special, uh, and he loved what I was doing with all these wild startups, and so we just kept in touch, and it was at this point where I, I, I stopped asking questions. I was out in the field. And I was in a compressor station, and then I get a text. I was standing next to a Howden screw compressor, and I get a text from Iggy Domagowski saying, Eric, what do you know about Howden compressors? And I'm like, I'm, what? I looked around, I'm like, is there a camera? Like, am I being, <laughs> is this a joke? Like, what's, what's happening? And should, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm standing next to one right now. Actually, this is really weird. He's like, they're great. The mechanics love them. Da, da, da. He's like, oh, cool. Well, Howden has approached Tundra to potentially wrap and package these screw compressors, but everyone's excited, but no one knows anything about compression, and you do. Would you be willing to help us out? Now, at this point, I am hungry. I'm like, put me in, coach. Yeah. I, I, I will come and figure this help figure this out. And so he gave, basically gave me a, a massive oppor- opportunity. He said, we're going to figure out that there's a good opportunity here, and if there is, you could be the guy that's going to run the division. So I'm like, oh man, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be, this is like such a lifeline. I can use what I'm an expert in. I can go and uh, I'll be running a a, a division. Oh, put me in, put me in. All right, I'll go and do an opportunity identification, figure out all of it, put together a package and present to your board. So I milked my network, got some real juicy primary research, things that you can't just Google. You yeah. have to have these conversations. You have to understand the business, the ins and you, outs. You got, you, you got up right, close and comfortable with your customer. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So I did that. I came back. I, I spent about four, five months working on this, came back, presented to their board and shut the whole thing down. I had so much evidence pointing to that this is going to be a colossal failure Zero barrier to entry, no exclusivity, low margins. If you don't screw anything up, there's a boneyard of companies exiting. This is going to alienate existing customers that are buying equipment from you because now you're going to be viewed as a competitor. And so the board couldn't argue with a lot of these points. They said, well, that was really good. I think you just saved us a couple million bucks. <laughs> like this was really helpful. And then I went and they were like, this was good. I knew I worked myself out of a gig. But I wasn't going to go and do something that I knew was going to be a ticking time bomb. And they really appreciated that honesty, that, that I was able to look at it objectively without my self-interest being first and looking at it for what it is. And this is what it is. This is what I see. Correct me if I'm wrong, but here's the evidence that I've uncovered that doesn't look good. And they really appreciated that. So then they, they were going to acquire a pump company. They said, go do the same thing for that. Uh, looked at it and said, yeah, this is, doesn't look good either. It's probably going to fail. Sure enough, it failed. And I was looking like I had a horseshoe up my ass. <laughs> I love what you said is you didn't put yourself first. You looked at the opportunity from a very objective, which so often as entrepreneurs to kind of circle this back into the journey, we fall in love with our own ideas. We fall in love with our opportunities. You've already talked about falling in love with our own grandeur. So, yes. and, 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 and how that worked out, yeah. but I really appreciate it. And, and of course I know the end of the story that you ended up with a long-term from what I said, very positive relationship yeah. with Tundra that probably mm-hmm. launched off from your approach yeah. to the, to the situation. Got it. So, so that was, and that was when Iggy and I were brainstorming we thought, okay, why are we sending you out one by one to look at these opportunities when Tundra has a massive market channel and these opportunities should be coming to us? That was when we formulated the, the idea of some sort of skunk works. Uh, there, at the time, there was a lot of laid off engineers, a lot of talent out there. We said, well, can we maybe repurpose that and solve our customers challenge? And so that was my next thing. All right, Eric, go figure out, go look at the entrepreneurial ecosystem inside Calgary Figure out if there is a play for a company like Tundra, which is an industrial process equipment distributor and pa- integrator and packager. See if there's an opportunity for Tundra to play in the innovation ecosystem inside Calgary. Cool. Those are my marching orders. Went out, drew a big map, talked to Calgary Economic Development, figured out who's who in the zoo, and determined that there is so many resources for 
early stage entrepreneurs in our ecosystem. You want to help with your business plan? We can we can give you a grant funding to employ a PhD to crack your code. Loads of early stage resources, but there's actually very few resources. For one, you get to the point where you've leveraged your house and you have a technology and you're wondering why you're not a millionaire just yet. Uh, the commercialization phase is just as challenging, if not even more difficult than getting to the technology readiness level eight, nine, where you're ready to go. And so that was where we looked and said, there's definitely a gap. And what, what Tundra has is a huge market channel, which could be offered up into the ecosystem to help our customers solve their challenges by deploying new technologies that the entrepreneurs and innovators are working on and help bridge that gap, get the meetings because we're on the approved vendor list. It's a club and a lot of people aren't in it. Yeah, it is a club. (laughs) You're right. That's a little bit, you see other, you know, plug and play has a similar model with large enterprise and startups. And there's so often, I've had a lot of startups on, there's like, there's great incubators and there's very early stage support in Alberta, but that chasm from, Okay, your idea has been proved out. Now we need to get a first one or two customers. A lot of companies really struggle in, the, in that in that space. Well, I would say they often yeah. die. They often die in that valley of death. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I presented this idea to their board and said, "Hey, I know I'm used to shutting everything down. <laughs> There's a real opportunity here." And I was actually I was a consultant. I was positioning this as, All right, "Yes, you you need to find someone to go and run this program." Here's what what I see. I think it would work. It would actually. It would be a beautiful three-way value chain. You would help Tundra diversify your product portfolio. You would solve your customers' challenges by deploying new technology. And you would help the entrepreneur gain access to market. The strongest geometrical shape is a triangle. And this is a beautiful value chain. You have a real opportunity here. And that was when Iggy was like, you're the guy. You got to do it. Ah, you know, I'm, not a, I'm not an employee type. But I, I'm, I've got this. I had started Budo Brothers at the time. Okay. So that, w- that was all running in parallel, right? On. Yes, exactly. And so Kyle and I had the idea. We basically were training on the mats one day and said, let's. Kyle just basically came up to me like, let's start a brand. I want to learn e-commerce. Let's do something. Let's just start a brand. Like, what brand? What Do what? I don't know, but let's try and sell stuff online. I think it'd be good. <laughs> and he said, okay, uh, well, we might as well do something that we're passionate about. We both love martial arts. And let's see if we can make a brand in martial arts. I don't know what it'll look like, but let's go see if we can do it. Yeah. And originally, Kyle was, Kyle was like, oh, well, we could maybe be like the Lululemon of keys. We get the martial arts uniforms. We could make really nice uniforms and oh, that'd be awesome. And, well, both Kyle and I were broke at the time. Uh, we don't have the capital. We don't have the cash to do it to load up inventory of 12 different sizes. No, no, no. So we came up with a challenge. We said for a thousand dollars in startup capital, can we start a brand with the objective of selling something online to someone that we do not know? For $1,000, can we start a brand and get a sale? Can we do that? And that was the challenge. So we put our white belts on, realizing that we don't know what we don't know, but we're going to go find out. And we had to learn everything. I had a camera. I had to learn how to take pictures and video, do some videography. I had to learn how to produce content. I had to learn how to do social media for a business. We had to learn how to do product development, build a website, uh, social media marketing, all of these things that we knew nothing about. We look at this as an opportunity to learn, to gain a new skill, to figure it out. And if you can drag and drop a photo, you could build a website today. There has never been a time in history where it is easier to monetize your passions with all of the available tools. There's no excuses. It used to be, I don't have a hundred grand to build a website. Well, for 29 bucks a month, you can build a Shopify or Squarespace website and go and try and monetize your passion. The speed of innovation. I'm talking to so many companies. I was talking to some VCs recently and they were saying that they're where the, the, the disqualifier of the time it takes and the technology it takes to spin up an idea, a couple of hackathon weekends and you've got an MVP and you can get it into market and try it. And Mm -hmm. talking about, it was just a company that specifically was investing in hard tech and hardware. And they said, you know, there was a few years ago that no one wanted to touch hardware. It's so expensive and it takes such a, a long development cycle and you've got logistics and supply chain problems. 
But all of a sudden, the moat and the defensibility of software or SaaS or pure technology plays, it's really coming down because of exactly what you said. Yes. So that entrepreneur opportunity, yeah. it's never been... It's never been more competitive, but it's also never been easier to get your idea to at least see the light of day. Like, to, you know, not to yeah. overuse MVP, but just mm-hmm. to try. I love your $1,000 white belt challenge. <laughs> that's it. And that's yeah, it. Yeah. And anybody can do that. That's what's yeah, so cool about this era. And so at the time, I had Bruno Brothers. I had another uh, .com thing I was doing called FormationFinder.com, where we digitized the table of formations. And we we, were, we got so close to getting purchased by IHS. We were on the one-yard line. And then I, I was doing uh, a man-made diamonds venture. I was doing uh, gold uh, mining old waste from gold mines. I had all these crazy ideas on my plate. And Iggy was like, I want you to do this this program, this we called it the Acceleration Center for Entrepreneurs, the ACE program. He said, but, you know, yeah, I've got all these things. And he said, all right, what's it going to take? And we started talking and he's like, well, I, I'm going to, if if we do this, you, you can't do all of these things. So you, yeah. you'll, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse, but you got to get rid of some of these things. I'm like, all right, okay, I'll kill this one, kill this one, kill this one. But I will not kill Budo Brothers. I'm learning way too much. And the lessons that I'm learning from the front lines in the trenches is so valuable for me personally. But I also see value for Tundra. And here's how I positioned it. I said, listen, I see a massive opportunity to deploy business to consumer marketing tactics in the business to business realm. At the time, I love that. Yeah, I love very that. few companies were putting out content for the sake of content. This was not a thing. And I remember standing, and, and so we, we got a deal done. I, so I bowed out from a bunch of different random startups that I was involved in and kept Budo Brothers as part of my, it was in my contract. I'm allowed to, evening and weekends and vacations was all Budo Brothers. <laughs> so I had two full-time jobs, essentially. And I remember standing in front of the board and presenting my plans for this program now that this was going to be a real thing. Here's my vision. And I remember saying, this is going to sound stupid, but I'm going to become a technology influencer in the ecosystem. At this point... And in, in, in the B2B space, which was not crowded at that time at all. <laughs> no, no. Because so we're I'm, talking, what, 2016, 2017, right? That's it. Exactly. And so... I basically said, I'm going to produce content and just tell our story as we go on this journey. And I'm going to bring everybody along for the ride. And the the value that I had to really distill it down. I said, nobody does business with someone they do not trust. They don't. So you need to build trust. And I clearly wrote on the board, content builds trust and trust equals sales. So if content equals trust equals sales, content equals sales. So I said this. You're pulling some pretty advanced calculus here, Eric. I'm not sure if I'm, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was was the derivatives. So, so they, they were okay. They they said, this sounds good. And if you want to go try this, let's go run some tests. So sure enough, I got some camera gear and I just started walking around filming stuff. That, go- <laughs> that's how I first got to know you was through those walk and talk videos. Yeah. 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 So, well, and this was so great because I viewed it as an opportunity to learn how to get better at storytelling, get, learn how to pitch. All right. We're going to invest in this really cool technology that helps reduce Pipeline inspection costs by 80%. Ingu Solutions, these little pipeline balls that go into a pipe and totally disruptive. We loved it. We ended up investing in the company, helping them get, get kickstarted off and into the market. But then I was like, all right, let's tell this story. So we started producing content about the technology uh, and it started to get traction. It started to work. So we just did, all right, this is working. Let's do more of it. And as we did more of it, all of a sudden, now... I'm getting invited to give speeches or moderate venture capital panels. And and here I, I kind of had a little bit of an imposter syndrome because I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm just a dude. 
<laughs> I, I I love and I have a love hate relationship with imposter syndrome because <laughs> it lets me know I'm I'm venturing into that uh, subjecting myself to adversity when imposter syndrome starts to show up. <laughs> that's it. You're expanding your boundaries. You're yeah. trying something new. And and what if what what if they what if they find out I'm just a dude? I'm just the guy. Yeah. Doing- but isn't it funny? I know. We're all just people. We're uh, all just, just yeah. And and we're all just trying to figure it out. <laughs> Oh, I remember the first time I was in a room with my exec. I was in, te- I've been in tech for years. So I was in a room with, I was the young guy in the room. Everyone was like bigger, larger companies, some thousand person employees, some, you know, a hundred, but everybody's doing well. And we had a speaker and they said, you know, who in the room, just with a quick show of hands is worried that people are going to find out they're not as smart as everyone thinks they are. And like three quarters of the room put mm-hmm. up their hand. Yeah. All of a sudden I went, and this is young me, the guy who's mm-hmm. like, I don't even think I should, I don't, I feel imposter syndrome just sitting in this, at this table. And that was the moment for me. I went, oh, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you mean this isn't just a me thing? <laughs> yeah. And you know what's so funny? The the ability to admit that you don't know actually is a, a valuable attribute because it actually is, uh, we're talking about building trust. Yeah. If you can admit, I don't know, or you can ask a quote unquote dumb question, it's actually more valuable than keeping your mouth shut. You know, you, you, you build trust. Every, every time. That's it. Being my business, inquisitive. My, my business partner says, you know, we, we wait till we have trust to be vulnerable. But the second we show vulnerability, we immediately create trust. That's I've it. always taken that and just like, you know, the whole vulnerability, the vulnerable leader concept versus the ivory tower. I have all the answers leader concept, which I think has fallen apart pretty, pretty aggressively in the past mm-hmm. few, few years. Oh, absolutely. But before we get too down that road, what I really love and just for the audience, and I'm sure they're unpacking it as we go. You didn't, you didn't, you, you, you learned the hard lesson of like, I went all in and it didn't work out and you yes. got a chance to come back from it. And that journey, yes. we could do a whole podcast just on yeah. the, sh- the shower scene, we'll call mm-hmm. it, um, yeah. which you and I've talked about before. So yeah. that story is, uh, that story is held true, but I love how, as you went back into this opportunity, one kudos to Iggy. I'm a big fan of Iggy. He's a good friend of mine. I, I, I hold him very high regard as a leader and just as a human, he's just a good human. Yeah. But for seeing that balance and, and, you know, even said to me, like, yeah, I love what Eric's doing. Because because he's out there doing the thing that he's he's also living and breathing what he's supporting our our our, our participants in the ACE program to do and like his ability to get that and not have this scarcity mindset as yes. a leader yes and then your ability to say well yeah I'm going to do both but I'm going to bridge them together so everybody's mm-hmm. winning here yes like so often yes. that entrepreneurial journey seems polarizing one mm-hmm. or the other you were very fortunate to not only bring the right attitude and some hard learned lessons but mm-hmm. you had a leader a founder in Iggy that was like I get it. And yeah. that's a really, like, that's a sweet formula that doesn't always happen for everyone who's listening right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what's so beautiful is it was completely symbiotic. Yeah. Budo Brothers was giving me all of this incredible knowledge and wisdom and lessons that I was applying in the ACE program. The ACE program and Tundra was helping fund Budo Brothers. So both kept growing with each other. They were very instrumental in, I would not have been able to do what I did with the ACE program if I didn't get in the trenches with Budo Brothers. And Budo Brothers would not be able to grow if I didn't, if half of my check didn't go to finance it. I would still have a boss because I'd have to raise money, take on a bunch of debt. Uh, this is Which how, is still having a boss. That's a very good point. It is. It <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah, is. Absolutely. So we Sometimes said, it's multiple bosses. Actually. Correct. Big yeah. time. And we looked at this and said, we are going to grow this completely organically. This is going to be, and it's going to take time. It is the difficult road. It is the path less traveled. Sounds like the martial arts, every martial arts video we've watched of the carrying the water up the hill. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just to pull that key, like not that that thread yes. isn't just laying through the whole thing. For sure. Um, I love it. And so when did you make the switch? Like, uh, mm. so now I'm also, now I'm picturing the hard day that you look at Tundra and say, yeah. you know what? Thank you. This has been an amazing journey, which again, mm-hmm. seven years, I think you were with yeah. that team on the, yeah. the ACE program. So when wow. did you make the switch? How many months ago now? This is where, just for everyone who's listening, this will probably be out in July, but we're at the beginning of June, 2023 right now. Mm. Yeah. So my last day was March 17th and getting to this point was hands down the most difficult decision I've ever made. And I've talked to other entrepreneurs that have told me the same thing. Is that, I mean, I've made crazy business decisions that were very difficult, but nothing was harder than the decision to take the leap of faith and walk the wire without the safety net. 
and the, it, it just is difficult. And a big part of me and how I roll is I'm very loyal. I am I I love to to be a part of a team and and, and do my part. And when people rely on me, I I take that very seriously. And so the honest. If, I, if I'm really going to get honest, it's I have a, a, a fear of letting people down. I I'm I'm terrified of letting people down, and that it's it's almost to a fault where I will put myself second and I, I you know, work myself to the bone, not sleep, so that I don't let other people down and follow through on my commitments. And as a yes man, I take on more than I can chew every time. <laughs> Which that's a perfect example of when a, streak be- when a strength becomes a weakness, right? Yeah, exactly. So for this, now that I had built this outward persona that was very uh, uh, wide-reaching, and yeah, I was, oh, you're the Tundra guy. You're the, you're the LinkedIn guy. You're the, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was almost very outward facing and i'm i'm like oh man if i if i leave tundra i'm gonna be letting them down like this is this is not i I really struggled with it but the calling from my core and the the signals that kept being sent were coming and knocking down every barrier that an excuse that i kept coming up with we were experiencing rapid growth. We kept month over month. The high watermark kept going up and up. And then in November, we're like, okay, we're, we're going to need some support. And in November of 2022, we brought on our first team member, Tiffany. She joined our team. She's everything we're not. Kyle and I are these wild visionaries all <laughs> over the map. She's organized. We basically hired our boss. <laughs> no, no, I love that. I love that. Well said. <laughs> no, so, no, know thyself is the yeah. key to so much of every journey in life. Exactly. As, a, as an entrepreneur, knowing mm-hmm. what you're good at and knowing what you need support yeah. in is exactly. critical, critical. So here, so the idea was, all right, let's onboard Tiffany and you know, Kyle, you'll be working with her. Like I'm, I still got a day job. I can't be someone's boss doing a 10 a.m. meeting when I've got a 10 a.m. meeting. Cause I'm, of course. I can't do that. I, was your, I, was your business partner? When did he go all in? Was he, has he been full-time since the beginning or did he transition in as well? So he was full-time about a year and a half ago and okay. uh, we were not able to support a salary for him till about probably, yeah, about two years ago. Okay. okay. Um, and so he was working, he had a gym. Uh, he he had to fold that again. He had to go through the same thing. We all went. I feel like it's almost just a rite of passage. You got, you got to get burned and you got to touch the bottom of the pool. And I think it's coming for you. If you <laughs> embrace it, because because it's gonna. You're gonna have you uh, have have you done fuck up? Have you done fuck up nights? I'm sure yes. you have. Yeah, of course. We yes, were on the, the the very first one. We amazing, we, amazing. Yeah. I did that one about a year and a half ago, and I had told my fall on my face story, which was my rite of passage. And mm-hmm. I look back, and nothing I have today would be what it is if I hadn't learned those hard lessons. Exactly. And that was that's quite. A, if you haven't, I'm going to give a plug for uh, for Amanda and everybody. To, uh, Fuck up nice is a great event where you uh, want to get vulnerability, yes. and the whole room is there for it. Like it's a blast. Uh. It's so I've good. never been in a place that we've celebrated mm. the learnings from failures uh, as robustly as at Fuck Up Nights. <laughs> it's so good. It's and a good time. What's so beautiful is that everybody has the right mindset that the yeah. failure that we have previously be, been conditioned to understand as a terrible thing, we understand that that unlocks real knowledge, real lessons, real wisdom. It's another layer another brick in which you can stand on to get to the next level. And when an entrepreneur is able to give you the straight goods, this is where I screwed up. This is how bad it got. And this is what you should look out for. Wow. You just lived another life and you got a lesson. (laughs) It's true. I love that. Yeah. I had a buddy that wouldn't hire anyone on a senior leadership team unless they'd had a major fail because his theory was we all have it. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want it to be on my payroll. (laughs) It's true. Yes. Specifically for senior leaders. It wasn't, I didn't put that through the company. They told me that. I was like, there Mm. is so much wisdom in that. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's so important for us to embrace failure. The, I, I heard this, I can't remember where I heard it, but the word fail is an acronym. First 
action in learning. <laughs> yeah, I think and I've like, heard that as well. That's all. Yeah, yeah I'm like, damn, you're right. And then if you can get good at... You engineers all love a good acronym. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. But if you can get good at iterating, doing little micro tests, that didn't work, that didn't work. Technically, that's a failure. But you, you that try it, test it, mix this chemical, mix that chemical, nothing, nothing, nothing. Boom, you got an explore. Okay, we got one. All right, now let's do more of what's working. <laughs> you get sticky notes, right? Three M, three M. Yeah. Precisely. But I love what you said, because what I want, what I really want to not do here is like, oh, yeah, celebrate these massive failures. Small incremental failures avoid big, massive burn the house down. Yes, failures. And I think exactly. that's what we're really talking about. And when yeah. the earlier days of ignorance is bliss and I can't I'm unstoppable and mm-hmm. I'm a super like I can I yeah. have my own version of, of yeah. that of that story. Yeah. Everything is awesome. It was not awesome. And the signs mm-hmm. were all there, but I didn't see them because I had blinders on. Of course, if I was a little bit more self-aware, which was the lesson and able to see some of the signs, mm-hmm. I probably could have, you know, maybe blown the porch off, but not the whole house. <laughs> right. Exactly. But so I, I, like you, had to blow up the whole house to learn a lesson. <laughs> and you kind of have to. Yeah. And so here I am. We have a, a full t- an employee and I'm an employee. I'm like, this is going to break soon. I just don't know when. Yeah, right but again, I was so nervous. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, because I'm a, once you've been hit, you're a little gun shy. You're like, ah, oh, what if this happens again? You know, I thought I could do it last time. It didn't work. But then I reminded myself that how grateful I was for that growth opportunity that completely allowed me to shed a valence and crack a shell that was not me and get closer to who I truly am. Would I not welcome another opportunity for that to to go another layer? Let's go. But still... There's worries. Oh, recession. You know, if we go into recession, the consumers aren't going to be buying $160 hoodies. And guess what? We sell $160 hoodies. They're amazing, but they're worried. So here I am. Uh, we're coming into the new year. Uh, and prior to this, we, uh, we're putting out social media content almost daily. And it's all very educational. We work with incredible martial artists. We help share their stories, share their teachings, and share their techniques. That's pretty much what our social media is all about. And we were working with an incredible instructor named Kevin Go. We were, he's a self-defense instructor here in Calgary. We're putting out content regularly, and the internet just started to love his content. And we put out a video of me getting in a headlock and him teaching you how to get out of a headlock. It's a very sneaky little cool trick. This video went absolutely viral. And I'm still at this point, like, I'm worried. I don't think we can support my salary. I don't think we can support all uh, And then the universe was just like, that's a really cool worry. Whack, let me handle that for you. <laughs> <laughs> and this video went viral on YouTube. It, it, it was going 100,000, 200,000. Holy shit, this is going to break a million views. Oh, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 10 million, 20 million, 40, 50, 60. What it's right now? It is at a hundred and eight million views. That's mind blowing, man. That's all, that's that's so wild. Like that's people dream and chase that for years, and then all it, of a sudden it lands. Wow! It was throwaway. Con- it was. I mean, it, we just didn't expect it. And yeah, of course, you you're like, oh, this is a headlock, okay? But it, the internet took it over. It took us six years to build a YouTube channel of 125,000 subscribers. And it took us six weeks to get to 1.6 million. <laughs> That's, wow, the universe gave you a double, a double shove right in the back, right? Mm-hmm. And this was the point I love where it. I got the message. I got the message, and I, it was so clear. If I stop listening to these signals, the signals will stop coming. The time is now, and the energy was so different from the last time that I jumped ship. This was a calm, it's time to get on the mats. And it was just like this calm knowingness that this is why I was put here on earth to go execute this mission. And if I do not accept this challenge, and if I do not accept the signals that are coming my way, it's going to stop coming and I'm going to live the rest of my life living in regret, wondering what could have been. I'm going to pull a word that you said earlier. Um, wisdom? Yeah. 
wisdom. That's nice. what I love it, man. I, I love what you said about if I stop paying attention, they'll stop coming. It's almost that you know when you when when you when you look at an atom, it acts differently than if you're not looking. When you get into the quantum, you know, mechanics of things, I think that's just very interesting. We won't get too philosophical on that one, but I really appreciate what you said. If like if you remove yourself from that mm-hmm. flow, then it will stop coming, and then yeah. you'll prove you. Guess what? No matter you, whether you can or you can't, or you, you're right. <laughs> that's it. You're you're you're, you're right. So you yes. made the the universe gave you a double fisted uh, a double fisted <laughs> shove in the back. Yeah, and and, and you listened yes. from a place of experience and yes. a place of not reckless jumping, but mm-hmm. very calculated. Because I understand there's probably a little PTSD all wrapped up in there from last time. Mm-hmm. Big time. I can Big. feel it. Uh, you're you're instant. You're making me remember my journey, and but yes. again, I would not be where I was, and if I hadn't got kicked down a flight of stairs mm-hmm. while wrestling with an alligator. <laughs> that's it. That is exactly it. And, and, and the so- alligator almost won, but it didn't. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Subjecting yourself to adversity. So you made, you made the jump. You're now it's March, April, May, June, you're three, four months in. Yeah. Best thing ever. It is so incredible to Amazing, man. wake up and choose your own adventure. It is the, it is the opportunity of a lifetime in terms of being able to be in charge of your destiny and your your day, mastering your day. Now, I'll be real. This is different because now all of a sudden, yeah, I I can sleep in. Oh, well, okay, how do you maintain the same level of discipline? Like I'm late for work. I, mean, I got a job to do. And it's, it's so with this uh, opportunity comes great responsibility. And I have to work on discipline. I have to find this new mojo. And this is what I'm working on now. And I mean, I don't have an office and working from home. Guess what? I got sick of that over the last couple of years, you know, working from home. And so I've just been experimenting and, and uh, we moved into a new shop. So we've got a facility. I used to run this entire operation out of my condo. So I had, it was an industrial wasteland in here where I had boxes <laughs> of inventory. Boxes and, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. and I found out my neighbors, my elderly neighbors, there's a group that was convinced I was a drug dealer <laughs> or, 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 or running an off an off book poker game or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, cause, Cause here's Mr. Sketchy eyes rolling in boxes of goods every, uh, every few weeks. And anyone asks, like, I'm oh, glad yeah. they were thinking you were buying your drugs in bulk though. But anyway, it's like <laughs> yeah. this guy, this guy's anyways, let's not, anyway, that's not a, uh, I've heard horror stories of people uh, renting apartments uh, and finding out later that there was nefarious things happening uh, at their apartments course. Yeah. and their condos. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Neighbors tell their own stories, right? We all tell our, we all tell our own stories. Sometimes hey. good, sometimes bad. Exactly. So luckily I got my condo back. We've moved into a facility. Amazing. We got, we, and your facilities, just, your, your facilities, you do all your shipping and, and everything receiving out of Calgary. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, your customers, I'm assuming, are now all over the world based on your recent. Yes, and fantastic. I'm What's go ahead? Yeah, yeah. Just is, curious a little bit about the mechanics of the business, like where sure. your customers are at, who yeah. they are, that kind of thing. So, ninety percent of our customers are in the U.S., and we are a essentially, as far as the internet's concerned, everyone thinks we're an American company, right. okay. but. We have a beautiful advantage being a Canadian company selling into the U.S. market. I mean, minus the 30% lift on costs is beautiful. So we charge in USD and we just, we had to, originally we started in uh, as a Canadian brand charging in Canadian dollars, but we just had so many U.S. customers and we kept getting emails like, hey, I bought a hundred dollar item, but you only charged me 75 bucks. Like, I, I appreciate your honesty. I I appreciate your honesty, but you know, this is a, a, a Canadian dollar is a real thing. And, and they, they thought we were American. So we decided to, to switch to us dollars. If people are willing to pay us dollars, we should be willing to accept them. <laughs> so, so we made, the make change. it, e- make it easy for your customer and remove, <laughs> yeah. fr- and remove friction, especially if they want to pay you with 30% more. Oh yeah. Because well, I've done lots of work in the U S and like, well, is with a Canadian or U S they're like, what do you mean? There's only one kind of money. This mm-hmm. it's our, it's our money. I'm like, yeah, right. you're the customer. Of course. Mm-hmm. What a, what a ridiculous question. Yeah. And so, I do appreciate, it. I've talked to a lot of brands in Western Canada or even Canada, especially e-commerce brands. Yeah. The U S the US is the, is the market. It's the playground. Uh, it's just the, the opportunities are just bigger. It's just, it's, it is. And so we now have a business that has a beautiful three prong approach to generating revenue. It's diversified. So we're not just selling product, physical products. Mind you, we create some of the most innovative unique martial arts inspired gear, apparel, weapons, training tools that are all designed from the ground up by us. 
So everything we sell is an idea we had in our head. We don't buy, resell, and slap our logo on it and drop ship it from China, and it arrives three weeks later with you know in shambles. Got it. Got it. We every product is what we call a Budo Brothers original. We design it from the ground up. We innovate. We add. We splice. We blend. We and then we listen to the market. Oh, this is a, this. Is, oh, more of this. They love that. And then we ask them. What would you change for Gen 2? Let's work on Gen 3. And so we have a very engaged customer base. I would love it if if your jacket had like a pocket for your knife and a hidden thing for some throwing stars. Okay, it sounds good. For, for, for that individual who just ha- can't leave, just doesn't feel complete, feels naked leaving their house without throwing stars. Exactly. I haven't had a throwing star since I was 12, and it was awesome, and then I lost oh. it, and I've always, it's always been sad since then. But anyways, it's that, the best. That's an, I, dig- I digress. You and I, you and I probably watched the same kung fu movies when we were Absolutely. 12. So we have our physical products, which is a, a pillar of our business, but then we also got into selling online courses, martial arts courses, where we work with the best martial artists in the world, spend at least a week with them, extracting their life's work and putting it into an online course oh, amazing. with over, okay, cool. with over nice. 100 videos, you know, 10 hours of content, all for a one-time cost, lifetime access. And so we have, we're selling online courses plus the physical products. And then the third part of our revenue generation was recently where that viral video has helped us out and now we're generating income off of YouTube. So we have the advertising revenue, digital product revenue, and physical product revenue. So now this is why I look at it and I say, the excuses that I have to, to, to remain in a safety net, it has now become officially irresponsible for me not to go full time. Your excuses are no longer valid. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And so now we're just going to continue to build on all of these and continue to grow in at each area. And this is where it's so exciting because I am continually learning. I'm continually growing. I still have a white belt on and I never want to lose that mentality. And I think if we can all garner a white belt mentality and approach life, knowing that you don't know, being willing to learn asking questions of those who have gone before your sensei, your teachers, your mentors, your personal board of directors, people that have gone to war and come back to tell you the stories you can learn from that. So if you just switch to absorption mode, put on that white belt and perpetually learn and grow, life's going to be beautiful. There's nothing more dangerous than thinking you already know the answer. (laughs) Yes. Uh, like that's that's when uh, the universe will kick you down a flight of stairs. And it's such an inspiring story. And I appreciate the journey because I think it's important for people. It's so easy to look at. It's kind of almost why it's why my first podcast, They Just Get It, which I think is what you and I uh, first met on, was all about take the time to learn people's stories because yeah. it's not usually as cut and dried or overnight successes or, oh, must be lucky for Eric that he goes and quit his job. Whoa, wait a second. What do you mean lucky? Like, don't minimize mm-hmm. what you don't understand. So take yeah. the time. And I really appreciate that you kind of dr- took us on the adventure and with the highs and the lows, the, the, the infamous shower, the shower scene. Yeah. And one thing I'm going to do a blatant plug. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to softball you up this question. Talk to me about the charity, the not-for-profit, the work yes. that you do to support the community. Cause I recently attended an event with Sifu Singh which is amazing. So please Google that if you're listening to me right now or check out the Buddha Brothers channels because his content is mm-hmm. great. And I, I, hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard a speaker like that for a while. Who That blend of the true martial arts philosophy of centering and self is amazing. But everything of that event was given to your charity. So boom, there yeah. you go. Tee, tee it up. Tell us about what you guys Perfect. are doing for the community. So when we first started Buddha Brothers, we always wanted to have a way to give back in a meaningful way that is actually unique and making a difference not just donating making it easy and donating not to just writing checks thing. not just yeah, writing checks. Like, we plant a tree for every okay cool story all right so here we go <laughs> i mean I, although if, if you're actually doing that i'm still appreciating people plant for trees sure. but Better but you, you but you had to find the thing that resonated and mattered to you guys as an organization exactly. as a team yeah. where you can actually make a difference that's relevant to why your business exists We exist to help people tap into their true potential through martial arts. We have an opportunity with our success to help the next generation and help those families that are down on their luck, help get those kids on the mats that have that same burning desire that I had, that Kyle had, that we, that every 
young martial artist has, but they might not have the resources or the opportunity to get on the mats and start that journey. So we started the Budo Youth Fund. And the Budo Youth Fund is a registered nonprofit that we donate 10% of Budo Brothers profits to. So every digital seminar, the online courses that we sell, 10% of the revenue from those courses goes the, to the, the fund. The revenue, not the profit, which I appreciate. Like which that's, is great. That's a very different, uh, you need to quantify that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then for our corporate, on our product sales, we, we, we go profit for our product nice. sales. And we've been able to generate a, a great amount of, of funds that we're able to run a grant funding program where we can provide a year's worth of training fully funded for the child who's nominated by their parents. We do all the due diligence. We make sure that you know there's there's a real desire on the part of the kid and there's a real opportunity in part so they nominate an instructor. We'll do the due diligence to make sure that, you know, they are teaching the right things. This is about empowerment. This isn't about paranoia and, uh, you know, because you can teach it wrong. <laughs> you yeah, can, no, it's back to the true martial arts lifestyle. Exactly. And so if we can figure out, all right, this is a real development program through martial arts. That's what we look for. And if we find that and it all checks out and it all looks good, we'll get we'll get them funded. For a year to get them, what's what's the dollar amount? Like, what does a year it, of training look like? It, typically? it really depends. Some and okay. what what we love is sometimes the instructors will partner with us and say, "All right, I'll donate half of the the chart." Because it could be whatever. It could be twelve hundred bucks. It could be two thousand. Well, bucks. I think the, be, the 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 young female athlete that you had, I think uh, the, the honey, I don't remember her name, uh, but I think it was the Honey Badger. Yes, uh, you had her do a demo, and she's training for for MMA. Yes, so no. she is not wrestling, striking, boxing. Uh, like that's a that's a hefty training because uh, nice. you've got to have a lot of tools in that toolkit <laughs> for sure. And now Ella didn't really fit our existing program. We actually changed our program to fit her. Oh, cool. She yeah. is so talented, Ella the Honey Badger. If you haven't seen her, you'll know this name soon. She's <laughs> so talented. It's literally. It must have been what it was like to see Wayne Gretzky at the age of 12. Just <laughs> raw talent and just this beautiful, just vivacious energy and passion towards martial arts. And she doesn't belong to just a school. She has coaches. She has trainers. She has all this. She is an elite athlete. So we said... We need to come up with a program, a track of some, some how to help her in her journey. So we created the Elite Athlete Program. So she is, I love it. So now we're basically giving her a monthly training stipend, which she actually gets to choose how to allocate it. So with every month, we give her some funds that allows her to pay for her private training, go uh, pay for some uh, competition dues, the travel required to go to worlds in Vancouver or whatever it is. It's a grant that comes in monthly that helps support her journey and helps her tap into her true potential through martial arts. And we're just so honored to be able to support her and her family and all the kids that we've been blessed to help. This is why it's so purposeful. This is purposeful work. What we are doing has us on purpose. And when you get to find what that is, there's no stopping. This is it. This is why we were put on planet Earth. So let's go. Eric, it doesn't sound like you have any trouble getting out of bed in the morning is what I'm going to venture to get. <laughs> <laughs> to circle back to the, we'll just, uh, my wife calls, I, I, I call mine the dark times. I went through the dark times. Yeah. It was the dark ages. It lasted yes. longer than I wanted, but it taught me what I, what, what I needed to learn at that point. Eric, thanks so much for one, just coming on. And I love your vulnerability, your honesty, your willingness to just share your story, to share the messy bits and make it make help everyone to realize, yeah, no, it's not all glamorous mm-hmm. and it's still and it's worth it, right? Dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And putting it in to see to see what you guys have created and being in that room uh with that event mm-hmm. that, you know, and you and I hadn't connected for a few years. So that's where you and I got to reconnect. You reached out to me, let me know you were having it, which I was really honored to be invited. And it was 150 people. I don't know how many was in the room. It yeah. looked like a couple hundred people. Yeah. The energy, the positivity, the mm-hmm. community that I saw that you had created around this program and around Budo Brothers. And it's a reflection of you and your business partner and what you guys have put in. So just high fives, man. That's my that's, that's my high five to you, man. Love it. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And, and Tyler, uh, thank you for doing what you do in, thanks, man. In, in connecting and sharing the stories of every individual that you interview. I listen to your podcast religiously because every I, I will I don't know what I'm gonna learn about XYZ, but wow, I had some takeaways. And <laughs> that's awesome, and, man. Thank and you. And if every person 
has wisdom to offer if you're willing to receive it. And this is what I love about your ability to extract that wisdom and make it digestible for your listeners. And that's the value that I get out of your podcast. So I want to thank you for you doing what you do, which is incredibly helpful for everyone. Hugs and high fives, brother. I love it, man. I love it. We all we all rise together. Thanks for thanks for for those kind words. Yeah, I joke. I would do it if no one else listened, simply because of the wisdom, the mini MBAs mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, life lessons I get. And luckily, um, I can justify it because I have a, I have an audience that gives me that kind of feedback. And that is people like, oh, how do you find the time? And like, I make the time because it feels it fills me up. That's yes. that that's the secret. Just find find what fills you up and then do that thing, right? <laughs> Beautiful. There, there, right off into the sunset with that word of wisdom. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eric, what's the best way or what, like one, how do people find you? Obviously, Budo mm-hmm. Brothers, and I'm sure it'll it'll unfold in front of you on the internet. But if you have a preferred form of, like if someone wants to chat with you, how do you mm-hmm. like people to get a hold of you? Because we've got a million ways. What's your preferred? Yeah, honestly, uh, you can shoot me an email, eric at budabrothers.com. You can search out all of our content. We're on every single platform, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Insta, you name it. The handle is at Budo Brothers. If you've ever been interested in martial arts, this is a beautiful way to get introduced. We focus so much on providing value in every single post. There's a lesson to be learned. And to be honest, we're living in a day and age where it is becoming more important to learn how to become more aware and protect yourself and your family and your loved ones. This is unfortunate, but it is as it is. So we need to all look at opportunities to potentially learn something new that will help you protect yourself. And this is what we do. We, we, we share self-defense lessons. We, sh- we work with instructors to help everybody take these lessons and at least, at the very least, enhance your awareness. If all we do is increase your situational awareness, you might have just av- avoided a situation. Mm. And confidence and self-reliance and some of those found foundational skills are whether you're standing in front of a boardroom to present to the board for the first time and feeling like that you've got mm-hmm. this or going, whoa, maybe I'm not going to walk through this park tonight because it's just not safe. Though Those same anxieties come up in very similar ways sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think I'd have to think about the martial arts mm-hmm. lifestyle and yes. not fighting, which you said right at the beginning, which I really appreciate. And yeah. Sifu Singh talked about that. And I know my journey in martial arts, I was in it, I wouldn't say for the wrong reasons, but I was in it for the fighting reasons. Mm-hmm. But then as I get older, I'm like, wait, yes. a, wait a second here. Yeah. I think I missed a whole part of this chapter of this narrative here. <laughs> Precisely. And so like, look at Sifu Singh's story where he yeah. was seeking the death touch and through that pursuit, he learned the totally. healing hand. Beautiful. Uh, that is. Well, that's a nice, that, that is a perfect place to end. Eric, thanks so much for the conversation. Really good to connect. I'll always love chatting with you, my friend. Keep up the awesome work. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you all for listening. 